Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome to episode 44 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and today we are talking about surprise home birth. What the heck does that even mean, Caitlin? I know you're wondering, and don't worry, we are going to get into it. Surprise home births and other snowflake births, you guys are just going to love this mom. Jessica is an incredible mom of three, and she has every gamut of birth type, all home births, mind you, that you could possibly have. So I cannot wait to jump into this episode. Before we do, let's go ahead and take care of some housekeeping. If you are listening to this episode right now, which you are, go ahead and take a screenshot or a selfie of you listening and post it to your Instagram stories, tagging Happy Home Birth Podcasts, and I will be sure to feature you in my stories as well. I would also like to thank our amazing reviewer of the week, and that is Sophia... Z Zafers. Oh gosh, Sophia. I'm so sorry for this. <laughs> Sophia, she writes, so encouraging in my first pregnancy. I just recently discovered this podcast and am beyond thankful that it exists. As someone who's pursuing a home birth for my first child, I found it difficult to find positive home birth stories on other podcasts that don't involve transfers. Hearing these beautifully told stories of women having full birth experiences at home is giving me so much confidence and joy. And of course, it's also helping my anxiety as a first-timer to all of this. Thank you, Caitlin, for your work, and I look forward to sharing you with my clients who conceive. She's a fertility awareness educator. Very cool, Sophia. Um, Make sure that you contact me about getting on the podcast sometime. That would be amazing to discuss further. All right, so... If you guys are interested in um, leaving a review, just remember that I will send you some type of goodie. I just ran out of my stickers. So Sophia, email me at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com and I'll let you know what's going on with that. I'm actually getting the logo reworked right now. So get ready, guys. Things are changing and I'm really excited to see what is coming. And I don't want to order more stickers until that logo's done. So we'll see how that goes. Anyway, all right, so let's go back to discussing this podcast episode. Remember, births are like snowflakes, individual, unique, and often wet, but we'll just focus on the first two for this one. Jessica's three birth stories are hyper unique and unexpected, and you're going to love them. From a game time decision to have a home birth with her first, seriously, she was in labor, to a shocking position of baby number two to a much heavier baby number three, Jessica's birth stories vary dramatically. And most beautifully, after all of these experiences, Jessica's message to pregnant women everywhere is this, don't be fearful. She notes how much fear is infused in our culture regarding birth, but how unnecessary this truly is. So make sure that you listen to the end to hear Jessica's advice on how to care for yourself and your emotions when it comes to the naysayers. And be sure you're listening to um, the beginning, towards the beginning of the podcast to hear me sound like a dang fool with my own birth predictions of my baby that is now here. And we know that I was super wrong when I did this interview. So 
Love that. Now, as always, please remember that the opinions of my guests might not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa, and neither one of us are acting as medical providers on this podcast, so be sure to continue to see your doctor, your midwife, or if you're like me, your chiropractor. So sit back, relax, and let's enjoy this episode with Jessica. Jessica, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. My pleasure. <laughs> I am so excited to have you. Would you mind introducing yourself and your family to the listeners? Absolutely. So my name is Jessica and I am in Barrie, Ontario, which I have mentioned. It's about uh, an hour north of Toronto in Canada. And I am a mom to newly three children. I have um, a six-year-old son, Bennett, an almost four-year-old daughter, Jolene, and then a brand new baby, just over a week old, and Noah. So two boys and a girl. And then my husband, Justin. That's a little bit about us. That's beautiful. Congratulations on that sweet new babe. Thank you. So we were just talking before I I started recording, and you mentioned to me that all of your babies have born at home, though the first one was not a planned home birth. I would love to know what happened. Yeah. (laughs) So I, at the time, my husband and I were living in an apartment. And even to rewind slightly before that, I, before even getting pregnant, I always had the thought of um, birth sounded scary. And I think that's like, you know, we have chatted about that as well. That's a really common feeling for a lot of people in North America, a lot of women in North America. Um, So I wasn't, I didn't dream of having beautiful home births. I didn't, my mom didn't have that experience. Um, And then somewhere along the line, so it was probably around the 12 week mark, something just shifted. And I thought like, I want to take a little bit more ownership of this process. And I called our local midwives, um, which I know we'll talk about a little how that's different here versus there. Um, but I called them and they had an opening. And I remember them mentioning that they take on clients that are planning to have a natural birth, which like terrified me, but also is an exciting challenge at the same time. Um, so the whole journey as we were, we were just living in an apartment, like I mentioned, and again, based on media and, you know, what you hear from people, I was visualizing, you know, screaming and shouting and just really noisy. And we had neighbors and I thought, okay, let's plan for a hospital birth. And if this goes great, then I'd love to try a home birth the next time. So when the time came, I was about, I was 41 weeks in a day with my son and, um, I labored, my labor started early. It was at one 30 in the morning and he wasn't born until about seven 30 at night, but the early labor was really manageable uh, until around three 30 when things kind of kicked in. But again, same thing. I, I have, I've done some, you know, some long races and half marathons in my past. So I have the mentality of kind of staying focused and I wanted to kind of push it until I, I didn't want the midwives to come over and tell me I was only like a centimeter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I wanted to push it a little bit further. So when she finally arrived at around six 30, um, she had mentioned that I was really calm, <laughs> which I did not feel calm. I felt like I had hit that wall of like, I can't do this anymore, which I know you're probably familiar with. Oh, I know the wall. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Well acquainted with the wall. Oh my gosh, it's intense, right? You're just like, I cannot do this anymore. Um, But she had said, okay, we'll check you out. And if you're two centimeters or three centimeters, uh, we'll make a plan. And I remember just thinking, I have done this all day. This has gotten like to the, like my breaking point here. I don't know how much more I can do. So when she was checking me out, I remember just seeing this look on her face and thinking, oh man, she's going to tell me like I'm a centimeter. I I don't know what I'm going to do. She was like, instead said, you are fully dilated and I can feel your baby's head. And this is in like the middle of March in Ontario, which is pretty cold. And you already feel those of you who've had unmedicated birth, 
you feel like you're on some kind of medication because you're all, you know, everything's just flowing and you're totally out of body. So at that point, I just, she said, we can have the baby here. I have everything in my car or we can go to the hospital. And if we were to go to the hospital, I would have had to take an ambulance because my water hadn't broken and baby was like right there. So in that moment, I just thought, okay, this is like the way it's supposed to be. So my husband came in the room and I don't really remember exactly what I said to him. It was something like, we're doing this here. And he was such a good um, partner there because he just stepped in and said, okay. And then they started setting things up and he was born like less than an hour later. It was pretty amazing. That is so cool. Thanks. I know it was pretty amazing. Okay. So yes. All right. Let's, let's kind of unpack this because it is a totally different experience (laughs) from anything that I've heard. So the way that it's set up there, your midwife is this, so this is a nurse midwife. No. So they're just regular midwives, but they work really well with, with, um, like, like OBGYNs. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's free. It's like covered in our healthcare here to have midwives. Yeah. Which I know is pretty different from you guys. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. We're working on it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. One day soon. Um, but they're really in high demand. So like, even since I had my first compared to this time around, like they're really tricky to get in with and they're a lot stricter on, um, they like, let's just say they can only take a hundred clients. If 99 of them wanted home births and then there was like 10 people that wanted hospital births, they would favor the home births over the hospital because you, they just want to make sure that those people have, you know, are able to have their home births if they, if they're able to. Um, but they're, yeah, so it's, you, you have to kind of register with them right away. If you've had multiple babies with them that usually get a no problem. So for me this time around, it was um, not an issue I've been with them before. Um, they usually work in like teams of two or three. Mm-hmm. So you're, which is really nice. Again, I've, I haven't had babies in, in the hospital setting, but I know it's kind of random whom you're going to have deliver your baby depending on who, you know, who's on call at that time. Right. Um, does that kind of answer your question though? Yeah. Uh, that's, the, yeah. And so, so they do have privilege though in the hospital to give oh. you care. Yeah. So once you need to have any medical interventions, like an epidural or anything, then they have to pass that care over to an OB. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. But you still get all of the like pre and postnatal care, which to me is the best. Like, so the, you know, the whole first week of having, um, my kids, they come to your house. You don't have to leave your home. You can just stay in your little bubble. Um, and then after that you have like your weekly appointments till six weeks at their midwife's office. Gotcha. But they're awesome. Like my, you know, this time around with my kids being a little bit older, uh, my daughter was using the Doppler on my belly every time we went in. I know it was so awesome. It's like just so inclusive of the whole family. And it really, again, I feel like it kind of normalizes birth a little bit more for that next generation, but. Exactly. That's, I, I love that you bring that up because that is something that's so important to me and that I know I get like weird looks from people and weird feelings from people when I'm like, Oh, I really want my daughter to be at my birth. And like, isn't that traumatizing? But no, no, like she watches water births with me. Like It's it's amazing. And they love babies and like Mm -hmm. all of that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. it's, It's pretty cool. It's such a fascinating experience. That's, that's really neat. I'm excited to hear how your, how your older kids played parts in, you know, your subsequent births, but, uh, okay. So, and another, one more question that I had, so you had decided that you were going to use these midwives. What did you do in preparation that first prenatal time around? Like, did you do any childbirth education classes or chiropractic or what was that like? 
Yeah. So I did some massages. I didn't do, I did chiropractic a little bit near the end, but nothing, not consistent. I don't go consistently anyways, mm-hmm. but I did some massages for sure, which were awesome. Um, I worked out all three of my pregnancies right to the end. Like, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure I went on my due date with my first. Very. Because cool. I exercised a lot prior to, and I um, was just, I mean, some of my workouts were, you know, not very exciting, but mm-hmm. I thought at least I get my body moving and stay in a little bit of a routine. Um, you know, if anything, it'll help me have some stamina during the labor process. Um, and I mean, now there's even from when I, again, that six year gap between my first and my last, um, there's been so much research that's come out about uh, the benefit of, of your heart rate getting um, raised through exercise and how that benefits your baby's heart rate um, in the years to come, like post-birth. So I thought that was really interesting. But um, so I did that. And then I did a childbirth class. And so my husband and I did about a six-week series. And that was really, um, that made a really big impact for me because it was a, a nurse that was running it. Out of her, she had like a, a birth studio space that sold like, you know, baby goods and they did prenatal classes and all that. Um, but she talked about a much more natural approach to birth, which I thought was interesting coming from the medical field. Yeah. And one of the things that she said that always stuck out with me is that it's really rare that you're because, you know, the topic came up about big babies. And she said, it's really rare that your body will produce a baby that it can't vaginally birth. And yes. that just like always in my head because I thought, man, we get so you know, doctors will say, oh, it's a big baby. We should schedule a cesarean. But it's really rare that your, your body is most likely designed to birth that kind of a baby. Of course, there's, you know, um, you know, some gray area there. But for the most part, so that gave me a lot of confidence going into having that first baby. Um, yeah. Well, and how big was your first baby? Okay, so my first was 6'12". So he was okay. tiny. My second, my daughter was four. And then this was, baby was what? Eight, seven. Sorry. So it was a huge, no, that's okay. <laughs> I went six twelve, six four, and, and eight seven. So it was an, oh. a crazy difference. <laughs> I know it was that wild. is a big difference. It's huge, yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I bet that was really shocking to be like, oh whoa, this is way more substantial. Totally. Well, even when I saw him, they said, "What do you think his weight is?" I thought, I don't know, like seven three maybe. Mm-hmm. They just look so tiny all, mm-hmm. all the time, anyway. And then she was like, try eight, seven. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is wild. <laughs> that is crazy. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I am convinced that this baby that, that I will, by the time this airs, I will have had, uh, yeah. probably for a while now, <laughs> but, but it's any day now. And I feel like it's a big baby. And I told my midwife that I was like, I really feel like this is like a nine pounder. And she was, you know, palpating my belly and she was like, yeah, probably not. <laughs> I was like, crazy. come on. It's a nine. I think it's a nine. What was your for the weight of your first? She was eight four. Oh so, yeah, yeah. You never know. It would be a decent jump, but I also think it's a boy. So this is going to be really funny to listen to in a few months when <laughs> we know for sure, yeah. especially if it's a girl and it was like you know seven pounds. So totally, yeah, yeah. All the surprises, the best for sure. Right. Okay, so your first birthing experience, you have your home birth. What did you think in the initial aftermath? Yeah, it was crazy. I, we also did not find out what we were having. Everybody thought it was going to be a girl. So when I was, my husband like sent out this random text saying, okay, the midwife's coming over. We'll, we'll keep you guys posted. And then like the next text to family was, uh, it's a boy home birth. Like everybody was like, what just happened? This is crazy. <laughs> what? So we, I know. And my, um, my mom and my dad came up to visit and I just like greeted them at the door with this little baby rat. It was just, it was really, and it was really cool. Like I just thought, you know, it was like such a neat experience to have this baby in your home. And then again, like you don't have to leave that little bubble ever. 
for as long as you don't want to, which is so awesome. Um, but yeah, it was pretty great. I, I yeah, I was, I'm a, it was obviously it planted the seed that I loved it and I've done it two more times now. <laughs> clearly, clearly. Okay. So you, so you had your home, your first home birth, weren't super expecting to have it, but then with your second birth, were you pretty confident you were going to go the home birth route again? Definitely. Yeah. So we were planning home birth again. Um, and I wanted a water birth this time too, mm. which was, it started off kind of like that, but I, then the third time I just found, um, I don't know how, I, I don't know the proper like rules around it, but I know you can't, you cannot have a, um, a water birth in a bathtub here. Mm. It's something to do with like the sewage system and stuff, oh, but okay. um, yeah, so you can only have a birthing tub and it has to be like a legitimate rented tub. Like it couldn't just be like, I, I've seen some birthing videos from people in the States and they have like a kiddie blow up pool. So it can't like that has to be an actual birthing tub. So they're super big. They take a lot of effort to fill. So it was a, a lot more work than I thought really kind of worth it for here. Mm-hmm. So we did it that time and then didn't the, didn't the last time. Okay. Gotcha. Well, your second birth has some pretty interesting twists and turns in it. So would you mind telling us about that prenatal experience and then give us your birth story with that? Absolutely. So I didn't, we didn't do any other classes, prenatal classes with the second birth. Um, but I did a lot of what you were just talking about earlier with your daughter, like watching videos and, um, you know, chatting with other people who have had positive birth experiences. I think that is almost more powerful because Mm, it kind of reminds you like, yeah, yes, I can, I can do this. Um, so a lot of that, and again, stayed really active throughout my pregnancy at that time I had, you know, my son was just over two when my daughter was born. So, you know, you're busy with them and she came a few days early. So I had had my 39 week midwife appointment on a Monday and I went and they palpated my stomach and everything was good. Baby was looking great. Um, I headed maybe about a half an hour drive from where I live just to, I had a few little like work errands to run. And then that was my last day of kind of in the office stuff. And then I just remember like the whole day kind of had a few things that just made me kind of have to slow down. Like my battery died on my phone. So I went and sat in Starbucks to charge it. It was kind of like everything colliding to be like, okay, you got to start relaxing because the baby's coming. Mm. And uh, so I had a lot of Braxton Hicks contractions, which again, I've had like consistently through, through both of those pregnancies. And um, then I got home that night things were starting to feel like, you know, when you're in that space, but you, I was already over 39 weeks. So you know, what's going to happen soon anyways. Um, and then I went into labor around three 30 in the morning that, that Tuesday, um, labored on my own till about eight o'clock, just let the midwives know. I still give them quick. We pay, have a paging system here with our midwives. So I paged them. They called me back. They said, okay, we'll plan to be there at around 10 30. Um, so in hindsight, or I guess, I don't know if it's in hindsight or if that's the correct word for it or not, but <laughs> she ended up being born at 10 20. So oh. things got pretty crazy in that time frame. Um, but I said, yes, that sounds good. I feel good. Like, again, things were picking up, but, uh, it was still manageable. Like once the contraction left, I felt totally fine. So that was the plan. Then all of a sudden nine o'clock hit and everything just, it was obviously went straight into transition labor. And that was really intense as you know. And, um, my sister and my husband were trying to fill up this tub that we had the, the, um, hose that we had attached to it was like trickling water. So they were boiling water on the stove. It was just a bit of a circus. Mm-hmm. Things were just moving really fast. And then I felt the exact same feeling that I had felt with my son, that kind of like dropping pressure. I can't do this anymore. 
Um, and I thought, I'm going to check and see if I can feel this baby's head because this feels like when the midwife could feel my son's head the first time. And so I dragged my husband into the bathroom. I think I put like a towel. You're like, again, so out of body. I laid a towel on the ground. I was like, I'm just going to like have the baby here. And he's like, what is woman talking about? (laughs) You cannot do this. Nobody's here. So I checked and I could feel what I thought was the baby's head. And I had had a lot of um, indigestion too during this or heartburn story during this pregnancy, which people tell you means that there's a lot of hair. So I felt like, oh my gosh, this baby's got a lot of hair. It was really like soft. And my, we called the midwives. They like rushed over as fast as they could. We have a, you have your main midwife and then they'll call a non-call backup midwife. So there's one for you, one for the baby. Uh, and then I also had a student midwife on that team uh, who she was awesome as well. So anyways, they all kind of show up scattered between like, or five after 10 and about maybe a quarter after 10. And so I had been lying on my bed while I was waiting for them to come. My water broke. You know how it was, right? Everything just gets more intense, more intense, more intense. And so I went straight into the tub when my main midwife came and they're just so awesome. It was like instantly the, the energy in the space went from like total chaos to really calm Mm -hmm. because she was like right down at the level of the tub with me saying, okay, you can do this. Like trust your body, just breathe. Like all the really calming, positive things you need to hear. So that calmed me right down. And then I felt the urge to push and they are, you know, really allow you, which again is what I just love about midwifery is they allow you to feel into it with your own body, right. Rather than them telling you what to do. Right. So then I just started pushing and I said, I think the head's out. Then I, she was like, okay, lean back really casual. And it was a bum. So that was the squishy soft that I thought I felt thought was hair. She was like super bald. <laughs> so that, that <laughs> on both sides. Accurate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so that was a shock because typically, and I, and we had chatted about this too, um, here, if you are, if your baby is breached, that you're kind of automatically just assume that you're going to have a cesarean section. So um, thankfully that wasn't my experience and thankfully everything went really well. Um, my midwife that I had was, is from Wales originally. So she had trained over there, which again is, is crazy that midwives aren't, um, taught about breech births and how to deliver breech births here in Canada anymore. Um, which it should still be a part as just an emergency or a backup, like in my case, when that stuff happens. Um, but she was super skilled. So I got right out of the, the tub and, it was within like 20 minutes. The baby was born, placenta was out, everything. It was kind of a bit of a whirlwind. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they have to do here, if in case of emergency situations, is call the paramedics. So they call the paramedics. Um, I guess right as the as they arrived, um, she came out and they put her on my belly and she was all good. So they didn't have to, they were able to send them on their way. Oh, good. But yeah, it ended up being really amazing. And then with her, we did a little chiropractic work after just because in case anything was off with her hips. Right. But she was awesome. She was great. Um, I was great. It was it was like super wild and um, really uncommon because, again, breech births are, are not the norm here. Um, but also amazing. And I had mentioned to you that it gave me the confidence, which I think is sometimes pretty often missing in birth today. Um, the confidence that if, if I had another baby that was ever breached, I would feel comfortable going into a hospital environment and opting for a vaginal breach delivery rather than a cesarean section. Right. 
Yeah. That's huge. That is so interesting. So did you like looking back, cause clearly you didn't know in, at the time, but could yeah. you find a, a time where you were like, Oh yeah, I did have that really weird movement feeling or, you know, like when the baby flipped to the breech position. So she was only six, four at birth and I'm five ten, So I'm pretty tall. I have a long torso. So I don't, I didn't feel anything specific like a flip, but mm-hmm. when I, um, I mentioned I went, uh, like I had a few errands to run. So while I was walking through with just like a local mall, but it's a big one. So when I was walking from one to the other and I had a lot of those Braxton Hicks, there was, there was a lot of movement, but nothing like super sudden. So she could have mm-hmm. turned like transverse. And then, cause she was right. so tiny where like this baby was quite a bit bigger. So I felt his movements a lot more. Um, so I probably would have noticed that kind of a flip with, with him, but no, nothing, nothing to pinpoint. And it was crazy because it was just that day before, like within a 24 hour period. Yeah. So that's so funny. That- now, yeah. That's crazy. But w- sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead and finish, finish your thought. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, that's okay. No, I was just saying that, it, you know, in a, that 24 hour period that either the baby flipped or they just didn't catch it for whatever mm-hmm. reason they thought the bum was the head or the head was the bum. But yeah, it was, it was pretty intense. That is, yeah, that is really incredible. And it's funny that you mentioned that, you know, like the 24 hours before the baby was born, you had been checked and everything was normal and baby at least seemed to be in the head down position. That is yeah. exactly what has happened with with the breech birth that I attended that my right. midwife caught. It was like, no, this baby was in the right position less than 24 hours ago. What the heck? With small baby? It was a pretty, yeah, it was a pretty small baby. Yeah, so you wonder if that's maybe just they're so squirmy and little that they just kind of maneuver Oops. themselves around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so interesting. Yeah. And it being a second baby, you know, those first babies typically engage earlier. Second babies can wait until labor to actually get engaged in the pelvis. So that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. But very interesting. Okay. And so you had your breech baby, you did some chiropractic care after. Um, what's the age difference between your second and your third? Uh, so almost four years. Okay. All right. So, so let's go to this new birth, this recent, recent birth. Yeah. And I will add, and we can chat about this a little bit after too, is yeah. both, I didn't get any interventions, like not, no stretch and sweeps or anything. Everything just happened on its own, Very which I'm cool. also a huge advocate for letting things just happen. Yeah, I agree. And I agree being, coming from someone who didn't take that advice with my first, like I got really excited and I saw some, you know, some pink tinged mucus and had a, had a midwife appointment. I was like, you can just go ahead and check me. Oh, while you're in there, you can just go ahead and sweep me. And granted the sweep wasn't like it. She was like, yeah, your membranes kind of aren't adhered anyway, but still like I was in that mindset of like, okay, let's get it started. Let's do something. Totally. And then I ended up having a forever long labor. So now I'm like, no, no touchy touchy. Like let's just let it come on its own. Yeah. Well, that will tie into this. The third, do you want me to tell you a little bit about the third? Go for it. Yeah. So, um, he was also, we didn't find, we found out, didn't find out what we were having with our first and found out with my daughter and then didn't find out this time. Cause we knew, we know like we're good with three. Um, so my gut said boy from the beginning and then lo and behold, it was a boy. Um, but yeah, he was five days over his due date, which is always fun when people just, you know, is that baby there yet? And you start getting all those awesome messages mm-hmm. from people. I'm like, you will know when this baby is here. <laughs> <laughs> believe me. Look different. I know. Yes. You, I will put a picture on social media. Believe it. <laughs> um, 
but he, I had had with the previous two, I had had, like, I just went into labor. I maybe had like, you know, mucus, my mucus plug, I lost that and like had the bloody show, all that kind of thing. But I didn't have any early contractions. It was just Braxton Hicks and then the real thing. So with this little guy, I, so he was born May 23rd. So a week and a bit ago. And on the Wednesday before that morning, I woke up early in the morning with contractions, not super consistent, definitely not painful, just like really strong menstrual cramping kind of, but different than the Braxton Hicks. Cause you know, that's to me was never, that was never painful. It was just more like uncomfortable. So I thought, okay, maybe this is happening again. I'm over my due date. Like it's going to happen any day anyways. And, um, so then that to- it totally went away, just stopped. So I was like, Oh, bummer. Cause every night my husband, and I'd be like, tonight's the night this is going to happen. And, um, the anticipation never, like, it's always so exciting. I'm sure you're in that zone right <laughs> oh, now yeah. yourself. Um, every day is this it, um, we'll see, we'll see. right. And I had started with, again with my other two, I had the mucus plug and stuff happen maybe about three ish days before they were born. So then after that, Wednesday bit of contractions, I had, had my mucus plug. So I thought, okay, maybe it could happen over the weekend, or I don't know when this is going to happen, but obviously my body's preparing itself. And as far as any like natural and labor inducing things, I, all I ever took was, um, uh, raspberry red, like raspberry Mm -hmm. tea, raspberry tea, um, which is more just uterus toning stuff, I guess anyways, but that's the only thing I took. And it wasn't like by the pound. So just also that that's a disclaimer that you just, your body's going to do it when it's ready. Right. Um, so I went to bed that night again, the, the contractions had kind of kicked in a little bit more and then, sorry, just as a side note, is that fuzziness on my end? Oh, I that? don't, I don't hear any. Oh, you don't hear it. Okay. No problem. You can cut that part out. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll cut it out. No worries. <laughs> gonna, like ruin it if it was okay. I can't hear it anymore. So it's all good. Okay, okay cool. Um, but yeah, so I went into went to bed with like them kind of on and off, but again, nothing consistent. I didn't sleep awesome. Woke up at around two uh, thirty, And again, it was like, okay, this is like worth timing. So I started timing them. My midwife, usually, like I mentioned, we have a paging system, but she actually gave me her personal cell phone number. She was like, we don't want to, she was my same midwife for my daughter. So she was mm-hmm. there for the unplanned frame breach. So she's like, we don't want any quick surprises. When labor picks up for me, it like goes really fast. So she's like, just call me directly. So I called her on my phone. It says 3:41 in the morning. So I called her at 3:41 and said, "Okay, I definitely things are happening." So she planned to come on over. So she got there just after 4 a.m. And I found with my two previous births, I had a bit more back labor, which was painful but more easier to relieve because, like, you know, if you leaned forward, I found that um, position kind of lifted the pressure off of my back. But with this one, I had no back labor it was all just really, really low. So there was nothing I could do to really get comfortable. I just kind of had to like grit my teeth and bear it. And then when the contraction was done, it was done. So when she came over and checked me out, I was, um, about three and a half centimeters, which was so new to me because every other time they've come over, uh, all I know is like go time. Right. So I'm like, what does this even mean? How I feel like this is already really intense. <laughs> and I think to, to the anticipation and excitement, you're like, you know, okay, this is finally happening. Um, so she suggested a stretch and sweep. She's like, if you want, I can do a stretch and sweep now to get things moving along. Um, she had another person who had paged her, who was going into labor as well. So they kind of have to balance through, you know, assess where people are at in their labor. Mm -hmm. So I thought I would rather just wait a half an hour and then you can check me again and we'll see how I progress. Just because I know that when I get into the groove, things just pick up quickly. 
and I have, haven't had a stretch and sweep before, but I've heard kind of like what you said, it can, it can pick things up a little bit more intensely. And then sometimes like in your case, prolong your labor. Right. So I thought, okay, I want to like see how this goes over the next half hour. So about maybe 40 minutes goes by. Then she checks me again. I was already at seven centimeters. So mm. I was glad that I didn't sweep because I probably would have nice. just gotten intense way too fast. Uh, and that's where for me, I, I can mentally get my head around, okay, this is happening. You know, it's a short term. Like I, you know, I can, I can mentally handle it. Um, but if things got too intense, too fast, I think that's where I would start to panic maybe. And then, you know, you just get, you just get really anxious. Like I can't do this. You know, you, you go into that kind of spiral. So then she called her, her backup midwife. So this would have been around, I guess, close to five o'clock in the morning. So she calls the backup midwife in that time. My, my water breaks, which is always like the craziest feeling. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I don't know if you're beforehand, but it's just like that big pop. Right. Yes. And uh, yeah. So then I just all of a sudden was like, I've got to start pushing your, again, you, they don't need to tell you to do anything. Your body just takes over. Um, which I think is the coolest thing. And at this point too, my two older ones had woken up around three o'clock in the morning. So my mom actually has an apartment in our basement. So they went down to her house. I I would wanted them there for the labor, but just the timing wise, it was just like, they were super groggy and like not in the mood. Mm -hmm. So they went down with her and slept there for a little bit. And, um, the backup midwife came. We actually hired a birth photographer, which is, was really neat. So she was there taking some photos. And then um, that was it, really. I hopped on the bed. We opted to not do the, the tub birth this time. Um, so we had the bed all set up. And I could look. I should look back on my little notes that I have. But between, like, pushing and placenta, like, I think I had two really good pushes. And then that was it. Mm-hmm. Um I know, but the, the ring of fire is no joke. I kind of <laughs> forgot about that between the two of them. Oh my gosh. I do just, it, you can't even explain it to people, right? When you, until they deal with it themselves. But I just remember her saying, okay, the head's like half out, one more good push. So mentally again, I was like, Hey, let's just do this because I would like this baby out. This is the most uncomfortable thing in the entire world. And <laughs> As they passed him up to me, I remember I said out loud, my husband reminded me of this after that. I was like, I'm so glad I never have to do this again. <laughs> Not that it wasn't amazing, but just that intensity and the buildup and that all those things. So it was affirmation that, that we are good with, as a family of five. <laughs> I am um, done. Yes. But it was again, just uh, on more of a personal note there. Um, originally I had wanted to birth on all fours. But the way that my bed was set up, we have a small room, but we opted to have a king size bed because we just, you know, with three little kids, it's a lot more manageable. Right. And I already just piled in. But the way the bed was angled, she couldn't guard my perineum as well. And I love that that's even something that's important to midwives. They want to make sure that you're going to have your recovery process is going to be good afterwards. Um, whereas in hospitals, most of the time you've had an epidural, most of the time you're on your back, most of the time there needs to be some kind of other intervention, whether it's a bit of an episiotomy or forceps or something like that. Or just fingers. Like, oh man, I hate seeing all the pictures with like fingers. Uh, yeah, I know. Right. Super invasive. Why are you touching and that? Long term, right? Yeah. So she suggested, and again, it's all like consensual there. She's like, do you want, she's like, if you want to go this way, that's fine. But she's like, I can't guard your perineum as well. So I kind of laid on my back side, like, and then I'm on my side a little bit, which mm-hmm. again, not having back labor felt really good. And that gave her more of an opportunity to kind of make sure that I wasn't pushing too hard or if I needed to pause to pause. Um, and that resulted in, I had no tearing, which was amazing going from like okay. 
bigger than my previous baby, <laughs> which was crazy. Um, but again, like that's the stuff that they care about. They care about your whole health, not just like, of course they want you to have a beautiful, healthy baby, but they want you to be okay after the fact as well too. And I've heard just like you were saying too, like some really traumatic hospital births and where it's left like permanent damage to women. And uh, I was talking to a friend recently about it who was saying she was dealing with like post-stress disorder because of it. And this is years after having her daughter. So I think it's, you know, mid midwifery in general is just like super empowering for women. And they care about, again, the whole health of the, the mother and the baby, which is just awesome. Um, but yeah, so then he was born, they put him on my belly. He screamed right away, which is always the best. <laughs> and I had really wanted that golden hour. Cause I didn't get that with my daughter, which is, you know, the one hour of uninterrupted skin on skin time. Right. So, cause with her, they had to get her moving quickly just to make sure everything was good. Um, but yeah, so we had that full, probably just over an hour. His, we did delayed cord clamping, which was great. Like all the things that I didn't get to do with her. Cause it was a bit more of a, a not an emergency, but a little bit more, we had to kind of buckle down and focus. Right. Um, but that was beautiful. And then the kids came up and around. So he was born at, um, five and the kids came up maybe about a quarter after six or so. Oh. And they got, I know. So they were just like, especially my son who's six, he was like, Oh my gosh, this is like the best thing ever. And they got a full tutorial of the placenta, which was so fun. They were like, so mesmerized by this giant thing. Um, but the midwife just like laid it out. They, they have like, they put like, um, this like sheet protector down and they put it right down in the bed. And then she like pulled up the membranes and like showed them where the baby lived and showed them the cord and all, it was just such a cool experience to have them like so present, but also aware of what was happening. Mm-hmm. They were just like, you know, when my son, he was only two when my daughter was born. So he wouldn't have really gotten all that, but from a six and an almost four year old, they really could kind of and understand what she was saying about it, which was really neat. Oh, that is so cool. And yes, that is one of my favorite things. I also do placenta encapsulation for some moms around here. And the the placenta tour, especially for kids, is like my favorite thing to do ever. Because it's like, what cool. the baby was where? <laughs> how, how do they fit in that? Yeah. <laughs> and I wonder the same thing. I look at the sack and I'm like, but really, how do they fit in that? That does not make sense. So true. And but then when you see them when they're newborns and they're just like, sometimes I'll prop my son up against my legs and his whole body just like, you know, curls into a little ball. I'm like, okay, that's how it works. All right. Fair, fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is so cool. I love hearing how it's like every part, every single one of your births was unexpected in some way. I guess your last one was a good, easy one to kind of end on, except that you're labor was, well, it really wasn't longer. It was just that she came early and you were at three and a half centimeters. So that was a pretty pretty good labor. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So that was, yeah, from in less, like an hour and a half, I went from three and a half centimeters to baby was born. So cool. See everybody, your, your uterus and your cervix is not a clock. (laughs) No, not at all. Well, and even the nasal, you'd know this from, from dealing with placentas is when the midwife was going through it, she's like, this doesn't look like a, like an over, she used a more professional word than that, but a more, um, it didn't look like an old, like an overdue placenta. Mm-hmm. She's like, it looks, it's like bang on. So that's also a reminder. We get so fixated on this date. And I heard somebody refer to that as like your birth month instead of just right. focusing on one day, because again, yeah. the day comes and goes and then we're like counting down. It's like, well, wait, maybe I'm off by five days. Maybe I'm not due for five more days. Right. Exactly. 
That's so true. And yeah, so I, I wanted to go back and think about your birthing times. You, Your first birth, you were at 39 weeks. Is that right? No, my first, I was at 41 and one. So I was over, okay. I just over a week. Yeah. Right. So then that's the average, everybody. That is the average yeah. first time mom birth guest date, 41 and I know, like, one uh, or three. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like, yeah, eight days over. Yeah. Okay. And then, so your second, then you were 39 weeks with that one. Yeah. So she was, th- she was three days early. So 39 and four. Okay. And then the third one was, he was, um, 40 weeks and five days over 40 and five. And he was your eight, eight, seven baby after two, six ish pounders. That, so that was a surprise from this one. Yeah. There you go. I was, I can believe it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is so incredible. Well, I love that. And we were talking about this before we started, you know, before we started the interview and recording, but you really seem to have such a heart for, sharing this information with moms about birth, not being scary. Yes. A hundred percent. Cause I think it's, um, you know, and we had chatted, like you said about it, that it's, um, there's so much fear ab- around it, right. About the expectations and that it's going to be painful and all of these kinds of things. But, um, you know, I've heard it described, I think this was from one of my midwives is that like, of course it's painful, but if we can even shift it to, it's really intense. Mm-hmm. But it's also a kind of pain that we know has an end to it, right? Whereas mm-hmm. if somebody's, you know, if you're a burn victim, you don't know what the end of that pain is going to be like, right? Whereas this is some, not that it's predictable, but there's some predictability to it. We know that your labor is not going to last forever. Right. Eventually it's to end, right? The more you can kind of surrender to it, which is really hard for a lot of people, I think, um, because I don't know about you, but around here, a lot of people like to have control, right? They want to always know the gender. They want to be prepared. They want to, like, there's just so many things in advance. And not that knowing the gender is bad, but I remember that right. was my, my main reason for not finding out with my first was that I thought, this is like my first intro into like, I'm not in control here. I can make informed decisions and I can do all that kind of thing. But ultimately, this is going to unravel how it's supposed to to unravel, right? So the less I try to force my agenda on it, I feel like it will go better. Um, I know it's kind of like a, a funny way to, to think about it, but I love um, that. Yeah, it was kind of my way of just giving up that control, right? Mm-hmm. But also n- not giving it up in the way that like I'm not going to be proactive in my birth, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I'm going to be proactive, but I'm going to let it happen how it's supposed to happen. Um, right. But I think that if you can surrender, and that's with everything, right? Like I had mentioned um, before our call that I have I've run a few half marathons in the past. Uh, which I know is not super, uh, not as exciting as a full marathon, but, um, it's still long enough. (laughs) Yeah, 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 totally. It's a big mind game. And I feel like birth is the same kind of thing, right? Cause I'll create like a playlist when I'm running. And if a certain song comes on all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, I I got this. I can do it. I can like power through another 10 minutes. Um, or, you know, you're running and you start telling yourself the story of like, okay, I'm going to just going to run to that streetlight and you're, you know, it's, but it's easy to also say, oh, I can just take a break now and walk for like, it's, you know, it's a big mind game. Mm-hmm. And the same thing goes with birth. It's like anything intense that we're doing, you know, you, I, I remember leaning on, on a table in my room this time around and I had some birth affirmations laid out and I just couldn't get comfortable. I was feeling really like, I, it's hard to even describe the words, but I remember just saying to myself, oh, I can do this. I've got this. And I would read through the affirmations and just kind of getting your mind on that path rather than the worried turning into anxiety, turning into, I can't do this. And then your body kind of shuts down a little bit, Yeah. which I don't know if, if you know this, but I had read this really recently 
that contractions can stop if you're in a stressed out state, mm-hmm. which makes sense because with my daughter, when she was breech at first, even though everything still was fast, my contractions stopped for about two minutes straight when I, when she was like half out of my body because mm-hmm. I, I didn't feel scared in the moment, but I remember saying to the midwife over and over, like, is she okay? Like, but it was kind of like an out of body experience. So obviously in that moment of me having that, like my body being in a state of fear, wondering about like, how is this baby doing? Your body just kind of shuts down a little bit. Right. So, and that would tie into people having really long labors or potentially, again, if you get medically induced and you stop having contractions, that's what leads to, you know, potential emergency cesareans, right? Because your body is not progressing. Right. Yeah. You're so right. And, and that just goes back to another topic of being certain that we're, we're really intentional on our birthing location and our care providers, all of those things that we do have control over for the, you know, to prepare us for the parts that we don't have control over. Like if we can control who's there, where it is, all of those different types of really important uh, aspects that gives us the ability to let go of that control over the things that we just, we just can't. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Man, Jessica, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the podcast. This has been such a cool interview. I have just loved it. I would love to hear if you've got any, any wrap up thoughts for any moms that are maybe considering home birth, what do you recommend to them? Um, I love that question. That's great. Um, and it has been such a, uh, it's been super fun being on this with you. It's really exciting. I can't wait to hear it all on the playback. Um, <laughs> but I would say to them that if you're in your heart thinking, this is something I want to try, you can totally do it and really filter who you're allowing into your space during, you know, the next nine months or so of your, um, pregnancy and really surround yourself with people who are going to um, support your goal. If there's people who, and and being comfortable enough that if somebody starts to put, you know, their two cents in and it's not in line with with what you're trying to achieve, fully saying to them, listen, this is what I have planned. And unless you have something productive to add, I I really, it doesn't benefit me hearing it. And that sometimes is hard, right? Because people want to, you know, and I think from people when they offer um, negative experiences, it's maybe a trigger point for them. Maybe they've had a really um, traumatic experience and, um, it's just their way of kind of letting that out, but know that you have to kind of guard this, especially if you're more prone to worrying or having anxiety around it, but just again, then surround yourself with really beautiful birth stories. And, um, on YouTube, there's so many lovely home births that you can watch. Um, and know that it's going to be intense, but it's going to be like all intensely like painful, but it will be intensely beautiful, right? Like there's just, and as soon as it's over, like the sense of relief and the accomplishment that you've done this really amazing thing, um, far outweighs, like, I don't even remember all the, you know, all the painful kinds of things. Like I know it in my head, but I don't remember it like physically, you know? Right. So that would be my advice is that you can definitely do it surround yourself um, with really positive experiences that are in line with what you want and be okay telling people to not offer advice that's not in line with that. Oh man, that is fantastic. That's perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Oh, well, I have loved this so much, Jessica. I cannot wait to just keep in touch with you and hear how your motherhood journey continues.
Beth, I can't wait to hear about your safe arrival of number two. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I know that you loved that episode as much as I did. I don't even have to ask you. It was phenomenal. Jessica is amazing. Just like every person that I have had the opportunity to meet and interview so far. Ugh, I just feel so lucky. Let's jump up, up. Let's jump in. Let's just jump to the episode roundup. So number one, how amazing is it that there will never be a birth just like yours? And you will never give birth exactly the same way twice. What an incredible opportunity for growth and experience. And truly, what a privilege. The second thing I've been thinking about is just, I love Jessica's discussion of fearfulness and how it serves no purpose in birth. It's so encouraging to hear women cheering each other on and reminding one another of their strength and power. The fact that our culture is just steeped in fear, especially regarding childbirth, which should be so beautiful, is a tragedy. Oftentimes, this fear seems to be surrounding the idea that birth is either dangerous or painful or both. And this podcast exists to show that those are not the only options. Birth is safe, and there's plenty that can be done in the realm of comfort. If you're curious about that, be sure to check out the cute little pain relief cheat sheet I made for you at myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash pain relief. This little infographic cheat sheet syncs up beautifully with the series of Facebook live videos I'm currently in the middle of. So be sure to check those out as well. Anyway, guys, I hope that you loved this podcast episode, just like I loved this podcast episode, and I can't wait to see you back here next week.